This week on God's Favor, do you need a breakthrough in your life? Are you facing problems in your relationships, finances, or health? Is there anything you can do to ask God for His favor? There is, and that's today's topic in Chapter 9 of God's Favor. God's Favor is written by Gary Wilkerson. Gary is the president of World Challenge and the host of the Gary Wilkerson podcast. He also has a video devotional series called 86 Seconds. You can find both at worldchallenge.org. God's Favor is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. These podcasts are made possible only through generous donors like you. You can donate on our website, worldchallenge.org. And now, here's Chapter 9, Proclaiming Your Favor, read by Jason Staples. Aligning Ourselves with God to See Our Breakthrough It doesn't matter how long you've walked with God. At every stage of life, we face times when we need a breakthrough of some kind. We face strains in our relationships, whether they're with family or friends. We face ups and downs with finances. We face a changing culture and a changing world with events and upheavals that can be frightening. Sometimes the issue is a health matter, when a loved one or even our own life hangs in the balance. When I started writing this chapter, a friend's wife in Texas was facing one more surgery in a long line of procedures meant to preserve her life. When I told my friend I'm praying for her, I wanted him to know I wasn't just offering timid words. I was laying hold of heaven for his wife. Just a few months before, I had asked all my friends for prayer. I had to have my thyroid removed when a cancerous spot was found on it. So I, too, know the emotional roller coaster of waiting to hear a doctor's words about what might lie ahead. Thankfully, my surgery was a success, and my prognosis remains very, very good. All of these issues carry with them agonizing struggles that can bring us to a breaking point, meaning the point where we need a breakthrough. When that point comes, there are two ways we can approach the Lord in our crisis. The first is through petition. This is our deep cry of the heart, a pleading for help, an utterance of desperate need. I've had many times in life when I was compelled to petition the Lord, crying as the psalmist did so often, How long, O Lord, before you hear me and answer? King Hezekiah of Judah made that kind of petition before God in Isaiah 37. Once again, Judah found themselves surrounded by a massive enemy as the Assyrians formed a threatening circle around Jerusalem. And just like the previous enemy, the Assyrians cut off all outside help from the city so God's people would eventually starve to death. Meanwhile, those who had been caught outside Jerusalem's walls had scattered. Agonizing for his city, King Hezekiah could only pace back and forth with worry. Yet this attack wasn't just targeted at their material goods. It was psychological. A serious king sent a letter to Hezekiah telling him, Don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with promises. What an accusation. If you're a Christian, you know exactly where this message came from. As God's children, we know our Lord's promises are ironclad and absolutely true. Yet in our crisis, the enemy will always try to convince us we're deceived if we keep believing in God's goodness. More than any other weapon, this is the one Satan uses against God's people. Sadly, we sometimes succumb to the devil's accusations. How many times have you heard the following lies and accepted them? 
You're wasting your time praying. You've asked a hundred times and never been answered. You've failed too often for God to speak to you anymore. It's too late for you. Nothing will ever change. The Lord has given up on you. I picture Hezekiah being tempted to give up. The situation was so desperate that Assyria's accusation seemed true. But Hezekiah refused to give in. Instead, he laid the demonic letter before the Lord and petitioned him in prayer. Isaiah 37, 16-20 contains this prayer. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, you alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations, and they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course the Assyrians could destroy them. They were not gods at all, only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. Now, O Lord our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. I get encouraged when I read Hezekiah's words here. I believe the Lord is absolutely thrilled when he sees a petitioning heart like the king's. It's a heart that says, Lord, I've spent too many sleepless nights worrying and obsessing over what I can't control. Now I come to you in trusting faith. You are the true God who holds every solution to every dilemma. No problem is too hard for you. No enemy too strong. No wall too high. I know you hold my breakthrough. There's a second way to approach the Lord for a breakthrough. A way that delights Him, but sadly few Christians choose. I'm talking about proclamation. It goes a step further than petition. A petition is basically a plea, a hope, a trust, but proclamation actually claims our breakthrough based on God's Word. It envisions His answer to our crisis and declares in faith, Thus says the Lord. Do you see the difference? Petition asks the Lord to hear our cry, but proclamation declares God has already heard our cry and is at work creating our breakthrough. I wrote in an earlier chapter that in our darkest times, God is never idle. He's always at work on our behalf, shaping how he'll show us his favor. Proclaiming his favor means believing this and then getting up off our knees and moving forward in faith. Hebrews 11.1 defines faith, according to the King James Version, as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What a wondrous, beautiful description. You probably know people with this kind of faith. They're the ones who proclaim breakthroughs as easily as they breathe, based on their faith in God's goodness. These people stir my faith to action, and that's exactly what a proclaiming faith does. It infuses the people around you with greater faith, empowering them to take greater action in Jesus' name. The prophet Isaiah stepped into Hezekiah's crisis with a proclaiming faith. While the Assyrians threatened Jerusalem, King Hezekiah spent all his energy petitioning the Lord. In the meantime, Isaiah was busy proclaiming God's favor. He prophesied to the people how the Lord was going to protect Jerusalem. Isaiah 37, 34-35 says, He will not enter this city, 
says the Lord. For my own honor and for the sake of my servant David, I will defend this city and protect it. Isaiah knew the Lord was faithful, that God alone held Israel's solution, and he spelled it out for the people so they could see his goodness and be encouraged by it. Friend, you don't have to be a prophet to proclaim God's favor. In basic terms, a proclaimer of God's favor focuses on the solution rather than the problem. This Christian knows God has already prepared his answer, and he declares it. I'm not speaking of a reckless, name-it-and-claim-it type of approach to faith that sees something it desires and says, that's mine, I deserve it, so I claim it. Nothing about that sort of attitude reflects God's favor. All it reflects is a covetous heart. I'm talking about something utterly different. See if you know what I mean. I don't know about you, but I love working with solution-focused people. For a pastor especially, it makes a huge difference in the life of a church. Once, after a fierce storm struck Colorado Springs, I dreaded walking into our church the next day. I was worried how severe the damage might be, but when I arrived, I was surprised to see that the place looked as good as new. Our operations leader walked up to me smiling. Pastor Gary, the sanctuary was flooded last night and the lights blew out, he said. But we called a company to come in and they drained all the water while the electricity got fixed. Then we spent the night sweeping out the floors and cleaning up. Don't worry, we're good to go for the worship services this morning. What a joy that was to hear. Nobody had to tell our operations leader what was needed. And he didn't sit around worrying about the problem. Instead, he envisioned what was needed and got to work on the solution. Wouldn't it be nice if all of life were like that? How would you feel if your math-challenged child strode up and said, Don't worry, Mom. I know my grade is low, but I called a tutor and I'm getting up to speed. Problem being solved. I'm joking here, but God does seem to honor solution-seeking prayers. It's because this kind of praying Christian assumes God's goodness, and she longs with all her being to see the Lord enter her difficult situation. She has an attitude of the heart that says, I know my God is greater than this problem. He can do all things, and through His power I can overcome this. God delighted to answer Hezekiah's petition and Isaiah's proclamation, and He did it in dramatic fashion. Isaiah 37 verses 36-37 to says, That night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. The Lord came through on what he promised, and the people saw that their God held all their breakthroughs. Proclamation happens when someone is willing to stand up in a terrible situation and say, I believe God has a different story to tell. I've partnered in prayer with brothers and sisters who have this kind of proclaiming faith. Kelly and I know a wonderful woman named Becky whose son Isaiah was born with an unnatural trachea. A bone was missing, and Isaiah needed surgery to insert a feeding tube down his throat. If he survived the procedure, doctors said he'd have to live with the tube permanently. Becky was shaken. She dreaded the thought of her son having that kind of life but she's also a prayer warrior full of breakthrough-type faith. 
we immediately joined with her to petition the Lord about Isaiah, crying out our need for a miraculous healing. Then at some point we were stirred to go beyond petition, and we started proclaiming the healing we believed God held for Isaiah. I'll never forget coming home to Kelly and seeing a brilliant look across my wife's face. They operated on Isaiah's trachea today, she said. Gary, they found a bone that wasn't there before. God healed Isaiah. He's going to be fine. The Lord had a different story to tell than the one the doctors told. He created a bone where there was none. That is the healing, answering, favoring God we serve. Kelly and I ended up having to experience this for ourselves, believing God had a different story to tell about our child. I've never petitioned God harder in my life than I did over my son Elliot when he was heavily addicted to drugs. I wrote earlier about Kelly's and my praying for our sons in utter desperation. This was especially true during the long period when we didn't know where Elliot was. I'm almost embarrassed to admit the weepy prayers I made during that time, but any parent in my situation would surely understand my agony. God, how long? How long will my son be addicted? How long will he be homeless? How long will he be lost out there? And how long will this pain, this agony go on for my wife and me? Show us your mercy, Lord. These prayers became a routine for me, night after night, week after week. Then one night I heard the Lord's Spirit speak to my heart very clearly. He said, It's time to stop asking me, Gary. It's time to wipe your tears and dry your eyes. From now on, I want you to raise your hands and say, Thank you, Jesus. My son is coming home. I hadn't seen any evidence of what God was telling me, but I knew it was coming to pass, that the Lord was faithfully at work making it happen. No one had taught me this. I didn't learn it from a seminar or book. The only thing I was consulting at the time was the scriptures. But I started giving thanks in advance for the homecoming I knew we were going to experience. I praised, thank you, Jesus, that Elliot is coming home. Thank you that you're working out his deliverance at this very moment. Thank you that even though he's still out there, he's being set free. After two months of tearful petitioning, my prayers became a courage-fueled proclamation. Let me note something important here. I didn't move abruptly from petitioning to proclaiming. Part of God's hidden work during our petitioning period is the work he does on our heart. That means we have to give our petition time. Only the Lord knows when to move us on to proclamation, and His Spirit is faithful to stir us when that hour comes. This exposes a problem I see in many prosperity churches. Often their messages encourage people to begin with proclamation. Yet that bypasses the work of the heart God performs in us while we're petitioning Him. Sometimes when a person moves straight to proclamation, his heart is never truly engaged with God. And that's contrary to what he wants for us. Jesus looks to bear our pain and our tears as well as our desires, yet some Christians never give him that chance. That kind of approach can actually disrupt our sanctification, meaning the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He sanctifies us by engaging our whole person, never bypassing any part of us, including our sadness and grief. 
Had Kelly and I not endured our dark night of the soul over our son, we never could have developed the empathy we have for other parents and children going through what we did. The Lord had a purpose in it all, and when our healing came, it was that much sweeter. Isaiah came to Hezekiah in the midst of the king's gut-wrenching cries of pain. Isaiah told the king, I have another word for you, Hezekiah. Something different is happening now. The Lord wants you to know your crops are going to be plenteous. Your fields will be full. Your harvest will come in like never before. And all your people who have scattered will come back to Jerusalem. Hezekiah must have done a double take. What could Isaiah mean? They were surrounded by thousands of Assyrians. The prophet explained, The king of Assyria will not come near this city. Not one arrow will even be shot toward these walls. It was a bold assertion, and Isaiah delivered it with authority. I don't know about you, but when I hear a report like that one, delivered with the authority of heaven behind it, it stirs my faith. It's contagious. And that's exactly what happened with King Hezekiah. He believed, and God rescued his people in a way they never could have foreseen. When we proclaim God's favor, we display to the world an important side of his incredible nature. Proclaiming God's favor is part of our faithful service to him. In fact, when Jesus taught us to pray, he included proclamation. It's all contained in the Lord's Prayer. According to Jesus, here is petition. Give us today the food we need. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That declares our need. Then here is proclamation. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This declares what our Father wants to do, and it proclaims that he already holds our answer and desires to make it happen. Jesus clearly affirms both petition and proclamation. There's certainly a time to pray, Lord, if it's your will. There comes a time, however, when we are to remind ourselves, thus says the Lord. You see, praying His will aligns our spirit with His, and that builds in us a holy confidence. Now, as we pray, we're not just voicing our own desire, but we're speaking from a heart that's infused with His truth. Praying His will isn't just about claiming something for ourselves, it's about declaring who God is. And proclamation doesn't end with declaring His will. Jesus gives us all authority to see our breakthrough manifested. As it says in Luke 10:19, Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. The Apostle Peter was present when Jesus gave the disciples this promise of kingdom authority. That promise came flooding back to Peter after the resurrection as he and John walked to the temple. They came across a man who couldn't walk and was begging. Peter had seen Jesus demonstrate kingdom authority again and again. Now the apostle knew what was being required of him, to proclaim God's favor to this man. What I do have, I give to you, Peter said, indicating the authority he'd been given. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The man was instantly healed. That miracle turned the temple crowd upside down. It completely transformed their understanding of the God they worshipped and showed them that his kingdom was in their midst. 
If we are still petitioning when we should be proclaiming, we cast aspersions on God's character. Most of us are tempted to keep petitioning when it's clearly time to proclaim. When we do this, we are saying, Lord, I know you have my solution, but I don't know if you'll follow through with it. In essence, we refuse to join God's work in faith. Instead, we ask him to do everything. It all comes from a heart of unbelief. Do you struggle to keep up hope for a wayward child? For your troubled marriage? For an addictive habit you can't break? God may be moving you out of petition and into proclaiming your victory. That may require you to proclaim, My marriage is coming together. My children are serving the Lord. I'm walking in freedom from addiction to nicotine. Our Savior has the power to raise the dead, and He wants to resurrect your crisis into abundant life. It won't matter if anyone around you agrees with your proclamation. What matters is that He does. When you proclaim it, you echo what He has already said about your situation. You may not see your answer yet, but He has formed it in eternity, and He is pleased by your proclamation of favor. Expect to see your loving Father answer you. You've been listening to Chapter 9 of God's Favor, read by Jason Staples. This podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. World Challenge is incredibly thankful for the support we receive from many people across the country who believe in our mission. We are able to continue creating resources like this podcast because of donations from listeners like you. You can make a donation at worldchallenge.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. Next week on God's Favor, a higher calling. Until then, we hope you're experiencing the life God wants you to have.